Hello and welcome to Touchline from myself, Kasper Els, and Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark. Hi, Kas. Nice to be back in the studio. Yes. Unfortunately, we had some bad news again the last couple of weeks. First one, Mr. Neil Moore from Zululand Rhinos. Our condolences to his friends and family. Then a big one, JJ Williams, the former British and Irish Lions player, toured South Africa in 1974. And something that I didn't know until this week is that JJ actually played for Natal as well. Our condolences to his family and friends. And then Silas Unkanunu, former president of South African Rugby Union, chairman of SANZA, and briefly vice chairman of the International Rugby Board. Our condolences to his family and friends. Now on to Super Rugby. The three games this weekend, the Celsius Sharks versus the Yota Cheetahs, Sharks winning by 19-13, then Tafelaga Griquas versus the DHL Stormers, Stormers walking away there with a 39-6 win. And then the Emirates Lions versus the Varukam Bulls. The Bulls trumping the, the Lions there 30-25. Mark, your thoughts on these games? Well, firstly, uh, the Cheetahs playing the Sharks at home. Um, I think the Sharks basically underperformed the first 10 minutes or 15 minutes or so, uh, the Sharks camped on the Cheetahs' goal line. Um, obviously couldn't capitalise, but I think it was a very scrappy affair both it ways. It was a very scrappy affair. And I, and, I, and I think, you know, from a Cheetahs' point of view, the reason for that possibly on their side is because they knew they had to beat the Sharks at home and beat the Bulls in their next game to stand a chance of winning the, the championship. Um, for the simple reason that when they had to play against the Lions, the game was cancelled due yes. to COVID complications. So, um, and I think that just put pressure on them. Whereas with the Sharks, you know, since the start of, of lockdown um, in March, where the Sharks were playing quite well in, in, the, in the championships, we haven't really hit our straps coming back. Um, what it is, I'm not sure. Um, you know, coaching staff would, would obviously able to to speak about that but i think part of it there's been a few changes within within the there's teams been, yes. which, which could be part of that um but obviously it, it's affected us quite a bit after lockdown so um but yeah that that was was a decent game to watch but it was a real scrappy affair it was a scrappy affair handling errors and and yeah. bad decisions yeah, we were all terrible. Over. at least uh um you know uh, Gerwin Bosch had a, had a good game he at, at fly-off, which, which was great because, you know, with Andre Pollard being injured for the box, that's one of the yes. key areas that we're looking for someone other than Elton Yankees. Um, so that was good. And then Stormers didn't make the same mistake against the Griquas as what they did against the Pumas. Definitely went out there to go and show what they made of. Yeah, I think maybe, you know, depending on which side of the, of the line you're sitting, um, I think similar to the Sharks game, the first half was a, was a close yes. encounter. Um, the Stormers really only came out to play in the second half. 
Um, but credit to Griekwas, because obviously Griekwas didn't allow them to play the way they could. And I think, uh, you know, Griekwas normally when they play at home, they, they're quite difficult to, to beat there. Yes. Um, but yeah, Stormers, Stormers stuck to their guns and they needed five points out of it. And five points is what they got away against Griekwas. I think it's well deserved to them. And from a South African point of view, may that continue for a while because they must be... Uh, one of the teams that fire on all cylinders for the box to do well. So it's yes. great to see. Yeah, something that just stood out for me was the scrummaging of, of Griekwas. There was a couple of scrums that they made uh, Bok front row yeah. actually look stupid. Yeah, sadly so. Uh, well, when I say sadly so, from a Springbok point of view yes. and for the Stormers that are ranked quite a bit higher than them. Um, but great for the for the so-called minnow side, you know, yes. and the coaching staff there, as I said a few weeks ago, they they Durbanites. So um, good for them. It's a it's a rebuilding phase. Part of the problem now that the the smaller unions have, Griekwas is one of them. Pumas is a, is another is another union that um, is battling a little bit because of COVID. Um, obviously, we're busy playing in the championships yes. now. Um, but normally the curry cup and that would be finished. So the players could actually move to other provinces. So both them, the Pumas and them, have actually lost quite a few They have lost, players. yeah. And then the Yuxke Derby, the Lions and the Bulls. To me, I think that was basically the game of the weekend. Um, two sides actually squared up quite well. I agree, 100%. Um, I think, having said that, though, I think the... The Lions are, they are a very, very young side. Yes. Um, if you look at the Bulls, I speak under correction, I think they had something like 11 or 12 Springboks in their, in their match day squad. Um, the Lions only have a handful of them. But uh, the Lions the Lions obviously came out to play. It was a very good game. But I think it was slightly, and, and yet again, um, the Lions putting the Bulls under pressure because of the way they play. But I think the Bulls possibly underestimated the Lions as well in the way they've been they playing. Did. But it was a it was a real humdinger, and and the score obviously depicts what it is, you know. So and, and well done to those two unions. Yes, the lock after this weekend's games sees the Bulls with 19 on top of the log, the Stormers with a 13, Sharks following on 13 with a points difference, Cheetahs 12, Lions on 10. The Pumas at five and Griekwas with two points. Do you think the Bulls have done enough to, to actually take this? I would say so because there aren't many games left, firstly. I think the Bulls uh, still need to go on a bye somewhere along the line. But, I mean, they're six points ahead. So the closest team, which is obviously the Stormers and the Sharks, both of them have had buys. Um, but to, you know, uh, to... To beat whoever, to pass the Bulls on 19, it's going to be quite difficult, I think. Um, and what is important here, regardless of whoever wins Super Rugby, they're taking those points, those points through across. to Curry Cup. Yeah. So, um, and, 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 you know, if the Bulls do manage to, to take it, then great for that because they've been stalwarts in the, in the Springbok setup as well. Yes. And credit to Jake White and what he's done there because he's turned the Bulls around. Um, you know, over the last few years, I won't say they've been the laughing stock, but they, they really underperformed. And he's made some wholesale changes. He's brought some 
season campaign is back and he's blooding some of the youngsters coming through. I mean, the under-21s won their championship. Yeah, we spoke about it last week. So um, I think things are, are going to happen there by the Bulls and, and good for them in South African rugby at the end of it. Yes. Then moving on to women's rugby, Taylor Kinsey, our local girl playing scrum off for the, the women's springbok side, is looking at her second, second World Cup. Oh, definitely. Um, it doesn't happen often. Um, I think the, the ladies aren't as fortunate as the guys, and I might be might be wrong here. And I'll say that because, you know, with, with the men's South African rugby side, it sounds arrogant now, but it's nearly as if we automatically qualify for, yes. for every World Cup where the ladies really need to play to get into the, into the World Cup, you know. And, and for her, it's, it's absolutely wonderful for... Uh, South Africa is wonderful, and from a lady's perspective, you know, we don't give enough yes. credit where credit is due, and it's nice to see the ladies sticking up their hands, and what makes it more special is that she's a local she's a local, local girl, yeah. you know, brought up, or uh, dad coached in, in Westville, and that's where she started learning, and great for that, may it continue long. Oh, may she definitely play in that second World Cup, good for Sharks rugby. Then, in the European League, we saw two red cards, and Mr. Swinton, that um, on his debut, was handed a red card. Yeah, shame. One doesn't want that record behind your name. Um, you know, I think there's always uh, a reason for being nervous and trying to prove a point because you want to impress the coach and whatever. You know, this was for a for a high tackle. Um, and he was sanctioned, unfortunately, and for foul play. And, uh, yeah, the decision was made. So he's going to be missing the entire Tri-Nations due to that. Um, you know, there was a, another player in, in the all-black side, Afu Gafasi, that also got red-carded, and he's waiting for his um, fate come Tuesday um, to see what happens yes. with him. But you can just imagine he might also be out for two or three weeks. Do you think it's a bit of over-eagerness from a, from a debutant? I think so. And that's what I'm saying. You know, with, with respect to, to all players, I think um, Lachlan Swinton um, in his first game, you know, coaches tossed a coin to you to say you're going to be playing now. They don't often yes. get a chance to, to produce the goods more so in a, in a tough tournament like this. Um, so the youngster probably wanted to, you know, um, prove a point to his coach to say I'm worthy of playing here. Yes. I want to keep this jersey. And, you know, sometimes it's margins, it's small little margins that either make or break you. Um, obviously, we believe that there's no intent, intent in anything yes. sinister. Um, but uh, hopefully he would, have, he would have learned from that, you know. So it's very I'm difficult sure in, a, in a high-tempo game. Um, in any case, to get your height right and to make sure you make contact at the right place. You know, sometimes it happens, and we've seen some shocking decisions um, over the last few months in, in rugby pre-COVID, um, where one would have believed it could have been a yellow or a red card, and it wasn't. It was only yes. a penalty. Then you see others that um, one thinks shouldn't even be penalised, and those guys get caught. So I think... Um, that is maybe something where, where World Rugby must still focus on slightly and going forward we'll bring in a referee or so to come yes. and have a chat with us so that we can speak to the listeners about that as well. 
But I think there's a fine line. But uh, give him give him credit. He's a youngster. He wanted to to prove a point, and unfortunately, that specific one um, backfired against oh, him. But surely he would have learned from definitely. that. And going no, definitely. Going forward, he will he will know how to handle this. It would be because other than being sent off, obviously, he puts his team on the back foot. Um, yes. Then there will be internal disciplinary things against him as well. You know, so um, from a from a Wallaby coaching point of view and their setup. So, um, and I think, you know, other than a red card, he'd be red-faced about it because it's not something to be proud sure. of. Yeah, first time in a, in a Wallaby jersey and that's what you get. Then the Nations Cup. Nations Cup starting now. Some interesting news there as well. Yes, definitely. Um, Wales um, coach Wayne Pivak he has uh, said that he's taken full responsibility for the decision to part ways with their defence coach, Byron Hayward. Um, and this is just a week before the Nations Cup start. Obviously, Wales didn't do well in the Six Nations now yes. after COVID. And, um, you know, obviously, I don't know, I don't know what all the detail is around it exactly, but uh, they decided against that and leading... You know, a week leading up to the Nations Cup, I don't think it's easy. Although some of those, some of those platforms yes. were set already, but um, obviously with with them parting ways, they were obviously not happy with their defensive side. So going into a massive tournament like this, I think is a is a setback for them, regardless of how you look. But when is the best to to cut ties when you're not happy? Yeah, and if somebody doesn't fit. Do you keep him there or do you cut the ties and then build from there or do you play the internal politics and, and, and maybe to the detriment of the side? No, 100%. And, and you know, it's like, like any relationship, I suppose, you know, depending on how you look at it. Um, when do you cut? When don't you cut? Yeah, do you yes. work on it? The problem is this is professional sport. Um, the rugby union wants results. Six Nations didn't go their way. Um, and they were one of the front runners to, to possibly lift the title. Yes, um, and I think they, they haven't won in four or five outings or so. So And obviously, if you don't win, part of where you go to is your defensive pattern because you're leaking tries or giving away penalties because of bad defense or whatever it is. So, um, And then when do you cut? Do you wait until the Nations Cup is finished and then cup? Because part of that as well, it could possibly become a relationship issue between yes. coach and assistant coach or defence coach or whoever else it might be, you know. So I think it's a it's a difficult difficult decision, but obviously the head coach feels it's the right decision and he'll stand he'll stand for it. So and that's why he was appointed. Hundred yes. percent. Then South Africa being the world champions for a year now, and also with the Springboks not playing any tests, we still ranked world number one. <laughs> yeah, that's quite interesting as well. Um, part of the reason was because obviously we won the World Cup, so yes. our ranking, we, we were world number one, which we are still. Um, and we ended, last year we ended the, 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 when we ended, when we won the World Cup, obviously we ended on 40, uh, 94.20 points, which made us world number one. Yes. Um, we haven't played in a year, which twofold it could benefit us but it could obviously count against yes. us as well because you know if we'd lost we would be losing points um, but by virtue of us not playing the other teams could gain on us which did happen and uh, New Zealand gained on us quite a quite a bit in in the um, 
few games that they've played against the Wallabies now. And they were, prior to this weekend that passed, um, they were quite a, quite far or quite close to us. But because they lost against the Wallabies on the weekend, they dropped points from 91.84, where we were 94.20. They've gone right down to 90.17. So they lost more than nearly two points in that. Um, if you look at that, so and then if you look at the rest of the world, just to name the top 10, South Africa, as I said, sits on 94.20. New Zealand is second on 90.17. England, after their good Six Nations uh, tournament that they had, they've, they've gone to 88.42. France, they've done very well themselves. Yes. Um, and I think they are going to be a force to be reckoned in the next World Cup. And obviously that's what they're planning for. So they've, they've gone up in the points. They're sitting on 84.59. And then Ireland, um, the top, top five is 84.10. And then just to, to name the top 10, so sixth is now Australia, Scotland on seventh, Wales eighth, Japan, nice to see them there. They are in the ninth position and Argentina sitting in 10th position. Yeah. Now, winning the World Cup, does it, does it really put you that far ahead of the rest of the world that you can actually sit out for a year and New Zealand and Australia playing all these tests and still still be world number one? Or is this just just one of those unique situations? Look, I think it's unique in, in a sense. Uh, we're saying a year. Um, you can't really say it's a year, although if you look at the calendar, it's a year. You know, all rugby stopped worldwide for a good couple of months. There were no tests played until, let's say, a month ago. So um, South Africa would have been part of test matches in June, July already. So um, I don't think the year is a, is a true reflection into saying that, you know, we haven't played for the year and there has been other test matches yet. We were so far ahead. So, um, you know, we, we missed it by about two months, really, if you think about it. Yes. So, um, but I do think, I'm not sure how the, the point systems really work, but obviously when you play top nations, um, you you score quite quite a bit. If you lose to a second tier or third tier uh, team then obviously you lose quite a lot and you don't gain quite a quite a bit when you beat them so it's a, it's the top nations that that actually matter yes. and i think part of that you know if you look at the the Aussies New Zealand ones the first game was a draw and then Australia, Australia obviously lost to New Zealand and then twice, yeah. New Zealand beat them now in the last one so i yes. think that evened that out a little bit you know so yeah. um but you know, as I as I said, we we are still world champions, and we we're quite a bit ahead, um, four just over four points. So um, may it continue for a while. Let's hope so. Then we spoke quite a bit about South Africa pulling out of the the rugby championship, and we not having the opportunity to play Test before the Lions tour. Um, I see now that Mr. Mark Alexander has announced that South Africa would play at least three to four tests before the, the Lions tour, which is very good news. No, definitely. Um, you know, the the Lions coach um, mentioned, I think it was about two weeks ago, that he's that he saddened that the South Africans pulled out of the championship because he feels that we would be undercooked by the time he gets here. 
to play against us, and he and he and he was questioning it whether it's even worthwhile yes. to come here to play against us, knowing that we're going to be undercooked. Yes, I'm I'm sure most people in the world would be happy that South Africa has taken that stance. Obviously, not to go, um, but for us to to think ahead to try and get three tests or four tests prior to the Lions, I think is the right call. We need to obviously uh, prepare ourselves game-wise, not only at, at training to play against quality yes. side like, like, like the British and Irish Lions. Um, you know, obviously it hasn't been confirmed yet because we've applied to, we've applied for to have it done. We yeah. don't know who we're playing yet. so I uh, can, We don't know when yet. Correct. So I can, I can only assume that it won't only be tough games. Would be one or two easier ones for us as well, just to prepare us so that we can get combinations and so forth. Because we also spoke about it, I think about a week or two weeks ago, to say that if we don't play international sides, hopefully we will play one of our provincial sides. Provincial but sides. we need yeah, match or a day. combination of provincial Definitely. sides. Definitely. So yes. we need we need it, and and I'm I'm over the moon about that because that's the only way we would be able to, to yes. front up against the Lions because they're going to be a quality side. They're going to be a quality and side they're and they're going to come here to win. 100%. They, they're not going to come here no, to play. Then the announcement was also made that we've now signed for the rugby championship until 2030. I think that's great. We spoke about it the other day that the our, our so-called top uh, franchises, i.e. Sharks, Lions, yes. Stormers, and the Bulls, will be playing in the in the Pro 16, Pro 16 which is great. So that yes. gives us the Northern Hemisphere exposure that we wanted. Um, I think the the greatest rivals in international rugby, and I say this with respect to all the other countries, is South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. Um, so from a South African point of view, um, I think we benefit because... Provincially, we play all the Northern Hemisphere teams, yes. and annually this is. And from an international point of view, we play New Zealand, Australia, and Argentina. But importantly, as well, our year-end tours is up north in any yes. case. Yes. So I think out of all the countries, South Africa can only benefit from this, and I'm, I'm ecstatic about that. I think it's great. Well, we're going to have a decent spread then. Between North and South. No, definitely. And, and you know, like our players that go and play overseas for Gloucester or yes. Connacht or Start France, wherever they go, or even in Japan, they come back better rugby players because they've yes. learned. And so we will be exposed on a provincial front and an international front to both North and Southern and Hemisphere. South. So yes. I, I think we will benefit tremendously. It would set up set us up nicely for, for the next World Cup and the World Cups to come. And I can only see us growing from strength to strength. Definitely. Then, talking about the Lions tour and the Lions coming to South Africa, the unfortunate news now is that the Lions International Sports Festival that we have entered into as a Mums and Toti Rugby Club um, has now been cancelled. Now, unfortunately, it's, it's sad news. We received the news last week um, where both the Mams and Toti Rugby Club and Kingsway High School yes. um, won't be able to participate anymore. I um, mean, it's not because of Toti Rugby Club or Kingsway High School withdrawing. It's because the organisers had to make a decision to cancel the tournament. Um, and part of the reason for that was 
the second wave of COVID-19 that has hit the north. And obviously on more local, the organizers have mentioned the fact that the sponsors that they had on board obviously needed airtime. But I think the, the big reason is the overseas-based schools and clubs wanted to start paying their deposits in January, February, because obviously they're not sure what's going on. The organizers had to do all the planning and that, and I, and I feel sorry for them. I think they started planning this in 2015 already, just for it to cancel now. So, um, But it's a massive setback. I think it's a massive setback for our country as well. It is. Yes, the Lions Tour is still continuing, but this specific sports festival, which is an international festival, um, won't be taking place anymore, you know, so... And Sad. that is now purely because of um, overseas-based schools and, and clubs didn't want to commit until till January. Yeah, look, when we say purely them, I think that COVID-19 is a, COVID is a, is a, a yes. real real issue, yeah? Um, you know, I think the overseas clubs and teams are just hesitant. You know, you got to, you have to look at deposits and visas and, yes. and all those things. So I think from an organizing point of view, it's, it's very difficult. But I think the organizers themselves... Obviously, for the tournament to continue, they need to have buy-in of whatever, however amount of teams there is, you know. So it's a, it's a costly exercise. But unfortunately, it's done, and we won't be taking part, and we have to wait for another 12 years for this. Another 12 years. Don't think we're going to be there in another 12 years to see <laughs> well, this one. Hopefully, we'll be there. We might not participate, but we'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quite a long one away. Thank you, Mark. That then concludes us for for this one. Yeah, thanks, Gus. Nice uh, having being back in the studio and the two of us having a chat. I quite miss our guests, though, but um, we'll get there again. And thanks for the opportunity. It was nice sharing some rugby thoughts with you. Thank you. Then from myself, Gus Pels and Mark Cameron, thank you for joining joining us at Touchline, and have a great rugby week.